This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Solutions, the leading iGaming PAM platform with a modular approach, including many benefits like a fast, secure, and scalable API-based platform integrated with all major third-party products and services. Make sure you head over to Pragmatic Solutions and join our smart thinking. Welcome to the Next.io podcast here um, for an episode that I'm particularly excited about today with the CEO of Cambi, Christian Ullian, here with us today. How are you doing, Christian? Very good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I, I can tell you, Christian, in the, in the couple of years that uh, we've hosted this podcast, we've hosted a lot of high-profile guests from the industry here. But I don't think there's anyone who has been as requested, especially not in the last six months, as uh, you actually, uh, Christian. Right. There's, um, there's a lot of uh, your dear investors who have been really uh, keen and excited to uh, to know more about the company and the, and the pivot uh, that you are currently undergoing here. So I'm very excited to have you here. Uh, yeah, of course, that sounds hope- good to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we can do it justice here today. But as, as a starting point here, Christian, um, I know that uh, you, you obviously have had a remarkable career starting from a trader uh, to co-founding uh, Cambi and building this remarkable company, of course. And it seems that your love for sports uh, especially runs uh, quite deep. Uh, so I would just wanted to kind of start off today. Um, if you could talk a little bit more about your background, your love for sports, and perhaps most importantly, um, what odds is Tesseract currently giving Manchester United to win the Premier League? Oh, I have <laughs> no idea about that one, to be honest. <laughs> I don't really want to know that either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my background, uh, yeah, I I studied uh, economics uh, many years ago, and then I was working for a few years in, in corporate finance in in, uh, in uh, Stockholm. Um, but I was also a good friend of Anders who started Unibet. So uh, uh, and yeah, we shared passion for for. for sports and betting so so at some point i i took a leave of absence he has to go over to 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 work for, for a very short while uh he has to do something else uh but uh, i thought it was so fun so, so uh, i i kept on uh being in london working with unibet uh and then a few years later we we uh, uh started Cambi. amazing uh and so, you know, fast forward now um, a couple of years. Obviously, Cambi uh, was on eventually was a spun out business from uh, from Kindred, uh, and uh, you separated the company in 2014, I believe. And kind of like where the um, where the company became really prominent, I suppose, was after the repeal of PASPA over in the US in in, in 2018. And you guys were really really fast to capitalize on. Uh, uh, on this move by the Americans, and you 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 did some quite high um, profile signings uh, there um, at, at at first glance. Like what what uh, what led you to the success in the in the initial success in the US? Uh, like how come that you were so quick to capitalize on Passport when others uh, were not able to do that? I think very early on in Cambi, I mean, we we looked at the US as an amazing opportunity. I think I was over visiting most of the casinos in 2011, 2012, somewhere. I came back and said, okay, this will not happen for at least five years, uh, but we should be prepared. So, so, I mean, when it comes to, to how we looked on, on uh, uh, the regulatory piece, I mean, we, we have been really uh, focused on, on, on regulated business all the time. Um, we, we probably 
few years before PASPA happened, we we felt that okay things are going to happen. The, the commissioner in MBA started talking positive about the uh, uh, sports betting. Uh, you had of course the process in, in New Jersey and so on. So so we felt that okay now it's time to to to, to really uh, go for it. And, and uh, so we were quite prepared. We had uh, already started looking at okay how, how do we need to evolve our, our uh, retail business, which we thought was worth, would be very, very important. So, so we had already so, some uh, retail installments in, in uh, casino in Cambodia and, and a few uh, uh, sports shops in, in Belgium. Uh, so, so we had that in place. Uh, we had uh, done a regulatory solution in uh, South Africa that was very helpful when, when uh, this uh, opened up uh, uh, in in uh, US. So, so, and then of course we we had uh, been in in very early discussions with, with uh, especially uh, uh, RSI, Rush Street, and and, and DraftKings. So when PASPA happened, I mean we 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 had uh, two customers that was ready to sign. Right, and. You know, so you you obviously found early success uh, in the uh, in the United States, and um, you know, to some extent, the the share price uh, you know kind of shot through the moon at that time, and the expectation was perhaps that Cambi was going to be kind of the leading sports betting solution for most of the tier one operators over in the United States. But then uh, the kind of the trends changed all of a sudden, where this. Uh, push towards vertical integration became a really big thing between the, uh, the tier one operators uh, in North America. Obviously, that led to DraftKings, uh, uh, then merging with Espitec. Um, uh, Penn, obviously, recently um, uh, exited uh, as well with, with their proprietary technology. Um, and, and obviously, the share price uh, then subsequently came kind of back to earth, uh, if you will, in this new uh, reality of uh, kind of shifting to more modernization uh, and so on. But I want to ask you, you know, what... Um, was there, in hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, Christian. But uh, why was Cambi not able to uh, kind of predict the trend of um, a more modularization kind of approach and kind of stick to the guns of the turnkey solution during that time? Uh, was there any particular uh, miss or mistake at that time? Or if you, in hindsight, look back, you know, is there anything you could have done differently? Do you think? I mean, um, at the point, I don't think we. we... We always knew that we, we should modernize the service. Um, if not for any other reason, that uh, the technology becomes uh, much, much uh, more efficient to work with. But um, we were not really in a place where we could do it uh, at this point because uh, we had so much to do. We've with, with, uh, opened up new regulations in the US, uh, make uh, the American sports more fit for purpose uh, for, for what our customers wanted. Uh, and, and uh, I think when it came to, to, to DraftKings, I mean, they they were quite clear already before we started with them. But I mean, their ambition was to be uh, in-house. Uh, and and uh, I, I think uh, uh, we hoped we would get a few more years out of them, of course. But uh, the, the, of course, the, the way to do that was to, to, to really deliver on the product, which I think we did. And I don't think it was uh, that that was uh, the driver for them. I think it was more to, to, to create uh, a, a, a story to, to the um, market uh, that uh, being vert vertically integrated uh, uh, 
was where we wanted to go uh, doing the SPAC. Um, and I think that success of their SPAC uh, uh, maybe had a snowball effect on, on what happened in, in uh, some other uh, situations uh, that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. Right. So it's kind of like um, you you kind of chose to go down the path uh, at first to work with the product that you have in order to quickly and efficiently establish yourself in the US with the with the operators at that time. And maybe if you would have focused on modularization as a priority, you wouldn't have been able to enter the US as early as you did kind of thing. Is that how you see it? Yeah, well, we could probably have entered US, but not uh, with the success uh, uh, we did. Uh, um, and I mean, okay, uh, we don't have DraftKings uh, and uh, Pan, we only have retail now, but uh, we have a lot of customers. Uh, so, so, I mean, I still think uh, we are quite successful in US. And, and if you look at our uh, uh, quarter report last time, I mean, America's is more than half of our revenue. Yep. Right, right, right. Uh, and, um, you know, so, so, so to that end, uh, now the company seems to be uh, pivoting towards the modularization uh, approach. And I want to just ask, uh, technically, product-wise, how difficult is it to pivot um, a, a highly technical product that has been built as a, uh, as a turnkey solution into a more modularized uh, approach? I suppose this doesn't happen overnight, right? And, like, um, how, how long time... Uh, does it take to kind of like fully uh, revamp the product into uh, being able to be offered in a more modularized way? I'm not sure what, what fully is, but I mean, right. where we're looking at it is, uh, it doesn't have to happen everything overnight, but uh, um, the front end I think has always been quite modernized and our customers have always been able to, to, to choose their own or, or go with us uh, with acquisition or shape uh, it's even more choices there. Um, I think Tesseract is a, a big part in, in uh, how we see the, the, the modernization uh, uh, becoming uh, more and more efficient. Um, uh, and then we, we, we yeah, on, on our end, we, we are building a gateway so we can accept the, the, the the pricing from, from Tesseract uh, and from ABS who do the same on, on eSports, but also taking in uh, other third parties uh, in, in the future, possibly. Right, right. Um, I want to, so I would love to talk more about Tesseract, AI, and uh, so on a, a little bit later in the recording as well. It's, yeah. it's a fa fascinating topic for, yeah. um, for this podcast, of course. But before uh, we jump in there, I also wanted to, uh, to talk a little bit about kind of the elephant in the room to some extent. Um, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Kambi is an offshoot from uh, Kindred. Um, you obviously share the same co-founder as uh, the, the co-founder in, in Kindred in Anderström uh, over there. And, and um, traditionally, Kindred has uh, been the biggest client, I suppose, uh, for uh, Kambi. Um, and, and of course, recently, um, Kindred announced that they are also uh, kind of approaching uh, this product product uh, from a propriety uh, perspective in the future and they will um, they have extended your contract to 2026 but the uh, idea is that they uh, then will uh, migrate over to their own um, uh, platform here and in connection with that um, they also had this convertible bond um, in 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 Cambi that um, 
that you cho chose to uh, to now repay. Um, this was part of this like poison pill uh, kind of uh, bond and class that they had in order to kind of keep control a bit over the over the company and its strategic um, uh, decisions. Uh, when this was announced, um, speculation started immediately that Cambi was up for sale, and uh, you repaid that convertible convertible bond in order to uh, potentially complete. Um, uh, complete a sale of the company. Uh, can you just talk a little bit? I know you you've mentioned this before, but can you talk about a bit more why you chose to uh, repay that convertible bond? Uh, how do you see that strategic freedom playing out? And um, do you think Cambi in general is a attractive acquisition target by uh, potential major tier one operators or even suppliers in the industry? Yeah. So, so I mean, when you have a convertible bond, uh, there. Are a bondholder usually have a, a few restrictions that it's uh, not uh, always great to have to, to be tied to. Uh, and also, whether we are for sale or not, uh, just the sheer fact that, that uh, you can't be sold uh, also have an effect on, on, on the share price. Um, right. So when Kindred announced, uh, yeah, when we announced the new contract, uh, we also announced that we had fulfilled the, the, the demands to, to, to uh, uh, do an early uh, uh, repayment. But we actually didn't do it until uh, a few months ago. Uh, uh, so, so, yeah, it was speculation, but I mean, we, we actually never paid it back until a few months ago. And I would guess now is probably not the most likely period to, 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 to get acquired by anyone. Um, <laughs> I don't think the fit of, of uh, tier one B2C operators are uh, that great, uh, mainly because, I mean, most people have seen what happened uh, with, with uh, the acquisition of SP Tech. And uh, I mean, you eventually don't have any customers left. And, and I don't think DraftKings had an ambition to, to keep the customers. But I mean, it makes it, that acquisition quite expensive. Uh, right. So, but I, I, I would expect, uh, I mean, I don't see many alternatives to us if you really want to have a, a uh, premium top class sports uh, betting solution. So, so yeah, I can see other B2B uh, suppliers uh, in the industry. Uh, they they right. can possibly be, be, be uh, a fit at some point in the future. Right. But yeah, so instead of all of that, I mean, uh, I don't think that is uh, the ambition of of of, uh, of a company at the moment. All right, right, uh, and and so in ironically, in in a way, when the uh, merger happened between DraftKings and uh, SP Tech, uh, in a way, of course, you lost a major customer there. But in in another sense, that opened up for. Uh, you hunting new customers, which were the kind of ex-SB tech customers, right? Like commercially in the company, was that like a, a, a specific strategy? Because I know that you were able to acquire some of the old SBT, SB tech customers, uh, right? Yeah, of course, you always look on on, uh, on uh, what's out there. And, and uh, um, I think, uh, yeah, most of SB tech business was, was maybe in, in markets where, where we were not so keen to, to, to do business, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, there was a few few uh, targets we absolutely had. Uh, I think you have seen uh, two of them uh, 
come to fruition uh, in, in the last couple of months here in Svenska Spel and, and live sport. Uh, right. So, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, both uh, ex SPTEC uh, customers, of course. Uh, but on, uh, if we flip the dime around, then, uh, you know, I asked you um, if uh, Cambi would be potentially a good uh, acquisition target for others. But you have also done some M&A yourself uh, in the last uh, two years in, in Shape Games, which is kind of focusing on, on the front end development and Abios, a, a esports data provider. And so this happened around two years ago. These companies, uh, I would assume, are now uh, fully uh, integrated into Canvas operations. And so, um, can I ask you what were what was the rationale behind those two acquisitions? And um, now, two years later, um, what were what has the result been from these two uh, acquisitions? Yeah, so ABOS was two years ago. Shape was, uh, yeah, more or less exactly one year ago. Uh, oh, okay, yes. Uh, I would say that. Um, the rationale of, of ABOS was uh, we we feel that uh, and we saw it during COVID especially that that uh, there are uh, a growing interest in in, in esports. Uh, we don't really believe maybe that uh, it will be a massive breakthrough uh, in in uh, the short term for sports betting, but but uh, especially if Asia is open up, uh, it, it will be vital. Uh, but it is also a very good complement, uh, and uh, not the sport where where we wanted to focus most of our resources. So, so acquiring a specialist was, was uh, we felt was the right uh, way to go here. Uh, and uh, so far, I think we, we were very pleased. Uh, they, uh, yeah, since a few months have been uh, starting operating uh, uh, pricing, which was an product they were developing uh, when, when we acquired them. And uh, now they have their first external customers and they are running the pricing for, for uh, uh, Cambi uh, for uh, uh, CSGO as well. So it's looking very promising, but uh, uh, I wouldn't say it, it, we can really evaluate uh, uh, yet uh, whether this will be a great success or not. Right. And, Shape, and uh, of course, is even uh, uh, younger uh, acquisition. Um, I think it has helped us uh, uh, greatly in, in winning some deals. So already there, we, we see some uh, very positive signs. I think it was instrumental to win Svenska Spel, for instance. Um, I think we have been quite good on, on uh, upsell uh, uh, their services to, to our existing uh, customer base uh, as well. Uh, but uh, when we will see, yeah, the biggest part of, of this is uh, when, when we will be able to, to uh, really integrate uh, the front ends between Shape and, and, and uh, Canby. Uh, so so uh, we get uh, one, one solution uh, and then we can also get some synergy uh, changes. But that will take a little bit longer time because we have a lot of customers are dependent on, on our existing uh, front end account. Right. Uh, and particularly Abios, uh, you know, the esports data provider, um, especially during COVID and the COVID era, um, the sports betting 
uh, was kind of pivoted towards esports there when we didn't have any sports uh, for some time. And the hope was that esports was going to be kind of the next big thing in uh, sports betting. But uh, from an outside perspective, it doesn't seem like uh, esports betting has uh, taken off, uh, at least not yet. Uh, so <clears throat> what, what is your expectation there on Abios going forward? Um, I believe you, you, you communicated this in the last quarterly report that uh, the company is not profitable uh, to date. Um, do you expect the esports segment to to grow in the future? Will esports betting become a thing? And is it perhaps a disappointment that uh, esports betting hasn't taken off more than it has so far? No, I think we are a little bit behind where we want to be. We've, I mean, when we bought this, the ABOS, I mean, their revenue source was from uh, 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 yeah, creating content uh, and. Uh, helping out with, with data for, for customers, uh, whereas the, the big part for us was, okay, can they become a, a provider of, of orders to Canby and, and to others? Uh, and, and that is where, where I believe that the, the, the biggest benefit will be. Uh, and as I said, I don't really expect us to see a massive uplift on, on the traditional esports uh, uh, in Europe over the next coming years, uh, it's probably a longer term thing. But what we saw during COVID, and that has continued to, to some extent afterwards, is uh, a massive interest in uh, betting on e-soccer, e e e like uh, FIFA. And, and uh, right. so, so, so it's more on that than the, I would say at the moment than it is on, on uh, CSGO and, and Dota and those games. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so I want to uh, jump over with the discussion in, onto uh, AI and the uh, opportunities that it potentially will bring uh, to your company and others within the sports betting industry. You know, again, this from an outside perspective, it seems like uh, pricing uh, games uh, in within sports betting seems to be an incredibly exciting use case uh, for uh, AI. Do, do, first of all, do, do you think uh, eventually all trading will be done? Uh, we are pricing from AI, and uh, do you see this as kind of like an um, opportunity to lower operational expenses by hosting smaller trading teams, or do you see kind of like um, more opportunities to make the product better as well uh, with the use of AI? It'd be interesting just to hear your thoughts on this: why AI is uh, such a huge uh, opportunity for the company? Yes, I think that that is exactly. I mean. It's mainly about getting the products to, to, to a different level. And uh, when, when you work with AI, you, you, you have um, so much more opportunity. I mean, you can, the only, uh, I would say, uh, limitation to how large offer you can have is uh, what data you have access to. Uh, when you do this uh, uh, with yeah, human intervention, I mean, we have worked with algorithms for many, many years, but but uh, it has more been uh, algorithms that is been run by, by uh, humans uh, tweaking parameters uh, in in during the matches. Uh, now uh, it will be the other way around, but but uh, uh, humans will still uh, look at it. So, so if something goes really wrong, uh, but <laughs> the, the, the models uh, can can take care of everything else, but. Uh, I think for foreseeable future, you all or will still need some human intervention when, when things that models can't foresee happens. Uh, I, I can 
take a great example where, where our models totally uh, couldn't handle it was, uh, if you remember, uh, the Brazil-Germany semi-final uh, in, in Russia. Uh, yeah, what is it now? Was it 2018 or something like that? Uh, yeah. When, when, yeah, there was a 3-0 lead after a few minutes. And, and uh, I mean, models had not really seen that before. So, so, so all of a sudden, <laughs> our traders more or less had to start uh, uh, trading manually. Um, but yeah, I, I guess our models be, may be able to take care of that uh, uh, now. But, but there will always be edge cases where, where the data is not strong enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, with, with this, uh, I, I think we will get, uh, yeah, as I said, a much, much greater offering. And, and uh, with uh, especially the introduction of bet builders, I mean, uh, everyone wants to go deeper and deeper in, into new things. Uh, uh, I think the next big trend is micro betting. Uh, so so uh, that is also something that, that you get more and more opportunities to do. Uh, with AI, um, whether we will do it on all sports, I'm not so sure. Uh, we will definitely do it on all all large sports. Uh, I think we we are planning to to, to start running tennis uh, beginning of next year as well, hopefully, and then we will roll out more sports. But uh, I'm not so sure we will ever do alpine skiing, for instance, on 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 an AI powered model. But you never know. There's usually sent enough data, basically. Is that the reason why you don't go into niche sports? Yeah, and uh, also uh, it's possibly not worth to, to, to build the models, even if you have enough right. data. It, it's expensive to, to build the models in the first place, I suppose, and train them and so on. Yeah. Um, is there, but do, do you think, so, so like you, you gave a good example there of like where the um, AI model still need human intervention, you know, the, the human is still important in, in this day and age, right? In 2018 or in 2023, when there are these edge cases that the models uh, perhaps doesn't have enough data on. But do you think it's just a matter of time before the models become so good that uh, the human is completely taken out of the equation? Or do you think that the human will always be overlooking the trading? I wouldn't say it's impossible, and and I mean, I think I've seen this like uh, uh, eye recognition uh, uh, things you can use, uh, where you can yeah more or less measure stress of of, of people. I mean, uh, they are using that mainly in may, maybe uh, customs and stuff like that at the moment. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could use it if you had a real time TV picture to to see if. Uh, a tennis player is very nervous and uh, changing words because of that. And, and if you would be on, on that level of data, then, then the human intervention would be very, very low, I think. Right, right, right. So, so that is a thing, actually, that uh, the traders look for. I mean, obviously, in tennis, it's no, 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 I, I wouldn't have it, yeah. it was just it, it uh, breaks the racket, and it's like, <laughs> you know, the odds are affected by that, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not the thing at the moment, but, but uh, I think, yeah, if you had uh, that kind of technology, it yeah. certainly could sharpen the prices <laughs> in the future. Exactly. I, I hope they don't, I hope they haven't integrated this uh, eye tracking <laughs> software in the customs because I'm I always get unreasonably nervous when I go through <laughs> customs, even if I haven't done anything wrong. You know. <laughs> anyway, um, so 
so if we look if we look forward like one to three years here, um, uh, Christian, in 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 how the kind of AI tools are developing, what, what's uh, what's your predictions in how you will continue to evolve the company and the products uh, and uh, and so on using AI and the progression within the field of AI in general? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I, I mean the, the main target we is, is that. Uh, the customers we have on a fully managed service will get an even stronger and more competitive product. Uh, having said that, I do believe that uh, yeah, the market for us uh, for for yeah the, the, the really big tier ones that uh, have their own uh, in-house technology uh, will be a big target market for us uh, uh, with this uh, uh, pricing uh, uh, on certain spots. And I think uh, quite a few of them has talked about that. Yeah, they don't have an intention of, of, of doing uh, everything in-house. Uh, they are focusing more on on their core sports. So, so I, I see a great opportunity. Right. So, so the Tesseract is like one great example of the company now pivoting to a more modelized approach, where this particular product uh, uh, will be offered as a standalone. Um, yeah. Module for the for those like the DraftKings of this world and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. interesting. Um, you, you so so to summarize the AI so so from an outside perspective and t- tell me if I'm wrong here, um, uh, Christian. But it, but it looks like basically the what AI can do for you is uh, traditionally you have humans who are setting fixed odds on fixed outcomes. So it's basically the customer is presented with these are this is what you can bet on. Uh, th- this is the offer that we will will give you, and it's a very like kind of fixed uh, way of. Being able to to bet within uh, within within the realms of what can be deemed interesting for the player, like uh, here is the fixed uh, odds and the fixed outcomes. Whereas with the use of AI being so flexible and um, uh, being able to kind of act on on data in real time, maybe the customer can come up with their own uh, alternatives and how they want to place their bets. Maybe there's some very like niche way they want to to place betting. Like uh, what if uh, there's um, Two corners for one team, followed by one, you know, throwing from another team. Well, like, like very specific. Is that kind yeah. of where things are heading? That the, the product become much more flexible for the for the customer? Yes, uh, definitely. And and I mean, yeah. If you think about it, when you do things in a match, everything is correlated. If you take the most simple thing, uh, uh, betting on uh, over one goal and a home win. I mean, it should be exactly the same price as a home win because uh, you can't win by by less than half a goal. <laughs> uh, so when you get to that situation, that okay, you want to to have yeah anyone to 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 yes, as you said, design corners, uh, bookings, uh, how many goals, what players are scoring goals, uh, um, the more and more powerful models you have, the, 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 the more flexibility you can give to, to, to the customers. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And so obviously that will massively accelerate the product experience for the customer instead of being like wind fast within like these uh, fixed uh, fixes. Then now they have the opportunity to obviously uh, bet in, in the way they want to uh, bet, so to say, the customers. Um, Another point you mentioned earlier here, um, as well, Christian, is um, the kind of new emerging trend of micro betting uh, that is particularly emerging in the uh, in the US. Uh, so you have companies like uh, Simple Bet, uh, Kira Sports, uh, of course, and Envenue who are 
who are launching uh, their uh, microbetting uh, products. And it seems like uh, the, the microbetting product is born out of especially American sports, which are very start and stop based, uh, uh, right? Which uh, enables uh, you to, to make this quick uh, uh, kind of AI powered um, simple uh, bets that is presented to you. And um, I just uh, want to bring a comment up from uh, the CEO, the, the founder of uh, SimpleBet, um, Joey Levy, uh, who also runs uh, Better uh, over there. He talks a lot about uh, the fact that um, he feels that the current betting experience that is offered by products like Cambi and, and others is uh, way too complex for the casual new user who kind of opens Bet365 and is presented with this like really complex spreadsheets of um, different type of odds uh, that are really difficult to understand. And he, he makes the argument that it's, it's a very non-intuitive and, and quite uh, scary product to be presented with for, for kind of new and non-tech fluent users. And he wants to instead offer this much, much easier and intuitive and kind of like Silicon Valley approach to a nice and simple UX and UI. Uh, and he thinks that is um, a more suitable experience for especially the casual uh, better. What do you make of, of uh, that comment? And um, do you think that uh, the product uh, that is offered by the, uh, uh, by, the, um, by the operators today in general are too complex and non-intuitive for the, for the casual user? Uh, let me say like this, I, I think there is a lot of room to, to, to come up with, with uh, new ways to to to, to uh, design uh, uh, the, the user experience for, for customers uh, having said that I, I do believe that a large chunk of, of sports betting revenues will always be um, on quite experienced uh, players uh, so, so I, I don't think uh, yeah you should scrap this uh, way of, of doing it but but I, I, I especially think uh, uh, there is a lot of, of uh, companies who could grasp, grab a market that is not really anyone has been targeting, but by by doing these kind these kind of things. But uh, uh, I don't think it will be like uh, world changing in in the way that the, yeah you will add uh, enormous amount of revenues uh, to it. Uh, but again, I think this is exactly what, what we believe uh, uh, operators can do on, on top of Tesseract. Uh, they can build uh, new microsites uh, where, where they can create uh, different experience uh, for, for, for di different uh, target groups. Right. And, and is, is microbetting like a dedicated microbetting product something that, that you would be interested in building as well, perhaps, in response to the ones that are? Uh, propping up now? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, this is not a new thing. I, I think uh, oh, we... It happened we did, in Europe uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we, we had uh, uh, betting on point by point in, in tennis uh, 20, yeah, 2009 or something like that, maybe. Uh, and, and I mean, we have been changing the pricing between the first and second serves since, since day one on it. So, so uh, I, I would say on American sports, you, you get more opportunities to, to do more and more things uh, because you have a start and stop. Uh, so you can, can do a little bit more interesting things with it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we have done uh, outcome of, of every pitch for, for many years as well, which is probably 
the one uh, yeah, the most important micro bet uh, out there uh, for, for anyone at the moment. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so looking forward um, now, Christian, as well, uh, you, you have set a very ambitious uh, growth plan for the company up until 2027, where you're hoping to uh, double or triple the, uh, the revenues uh, compared to 2022. Um, I'm curious as well, in the quarterly report, you set out, you, you outline a couple of goals on how you're going to reach that target. And uh, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like part of the target is that uh, there is an expectation on new markets opening up. Uh, I think you mentioned particularly uh, new major um, uh, geolocations in, in Asia, for example, uh, being, being, uh, uh, being opened up. So, so I want to talk about like, in this goal that you have set up to double or triple revenues, um, how much is... Um, uh, how much is dependent on what you can do and what you control operationally? And how much of the, the goal do you depend on other markets being opened up or expanded and so forth in, in, in Asia and in Latin America and North America, so on and so forth? Yeah, we have not quantified it. I, I will not do that for you I, either, unfortunately, yeah. Pierre. But uh, <laughs> It was a good try. But, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it is very important. I mean, uh, the, the markets we were mentioning, uh, I mean... Brazil is an enormous country. Uh, we talked about uh, California and Texas, that is almost half of, of uh, the US GDP. And we talked about uh, at least one of, of Japan or India, which is a uh, bigger market than any, any I've ever mentioned. Uh, so so it, uh, it has a very, very big impact for us if, if uh, this will happen or not. Uh, and and uh, yeah. So far, I mean, we would probably have expected that Brazil would have happened already when we made these uh, targets. I wouldn't say that if Brazil is happening next year, that doesn't really change uh, our outlook. Uh, but uh, if uh, markets are not opening up until 26, 27, I mean, it would be very hard to, 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 to uh, uh, yeah, get the full... Uh, uh, full uh, revenue from it. So, so, so I mean, uh, we, we need uh, the markets to, 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 to see uh, some more uh, uh, progress uh, on, on, on the other markets. Uh, I, I would say that we were quite disappointed in the spring when, when Texas uh, didn't uh, get the approval for, for, for uh, uh, sports betting, for instance. Right. Uh, on the things we can control, I mean, I, I think we have taken an amazing leap this year. Uh, I mean, we have uh, resigned uh, quite, yeah, I think, seven of our, our customers uh, this year, uh, of which uh, some of our more key customers. Uh, we have uh, done 10 new deals, uh, of which uh, a few uh, quite large ones, especially yeah, the last, uh, yeah, Bally's uh, live score and, and Sanska Spiel. Uh, I think we have come a long way with, with Tesseract. So uh, even if you, you don't see it so much in, in the result yet, I, I'm, uh, I'm really pleased with uh, what we've been able to achieve uh, during uh, this year. Yeah, right. So, so it, it feels a little bit, uh, again, like the company has uh, undergone a structural and strategic change. Uh, now, would you say that you have come to the point where this, this new strategy is rolled out, uh, you, you are now taking a new approach to 
uh, to your commercial side and how to acquire the customers and so on, and it's now kind of full steam ahead? Or do you, would you say that there's still some work to be done operationally before you can fully uh, kind of uh, start that, operation, that uh, commercial push? I mean, there is some more work to be done. Uh, if you remember, uh, if you have listened to, to our quarter report, uh, I, I have uh, uh, yeah, been telling for a few quarters that we had to push uh, the moderate, yeah, sell, sales of moderate services because we, we, we have taken on uh, uh, some uh, demands from, from the new signings we have done. Uh, so there is some more work to be done. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, like a total strategy revamp either. I, I, for us to, to reach uh, the, the, the targets we have set up, uh, it, the majority of the money will still come from, from uh, managed services. Uh, and and uh, I, I still look at uh, the modernized services as, as uh, a smaller party, even in the future. Right. Um and uh, just two more questions for you here uh, today, Christian, before we, we uh, carry on with our day here and, and head for lunch, uh, I, I suppose. Right. Uh, but first and foremost, um, related to the question of AI, um, are there other emerging technologies, do you think, in, in your field, which potentially could uh, help reshape or improve the, uh, uh, the product? Uh, like any major, do you think any major disruptive technologies as we look forward in the next couple of years? No, but I mean, if you look at the history of, as long as I've been in, in this okay. industry, I mean, the fundamentals of, of sports betting has not really changed at all. Uh, oh. uh, it has been like what technology has made possible. But uh, I mean, uh, live betting, what needed to happen was that, that uh, uh, technology be become so fast so it was possible. And, and uh, we also needed uh, scouts on arenas to, to, to make it really take off. Uh, uh, yeah, mobile betting has been like, yeah, it didn't take off until until the iPhone came, more or less. And then yeah. it, it totally changed the world. So, so <laughs> often it is, we are only reacting to, 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 to new technology, more or less. Uh, and at the moment, I would say, yeah, the cloud is probably the other big thing outside of AI, uh, but that uh, you can become more and more efficient on, on, on how to... to, to uh, yeah, store data as well. So, so uh, uh, that is, yeah, probably the two things that, that are really driving it at, at the moment. Right. And uh, last but not uh, least uh, here, Christian, I'm also curious, you know, from someone who's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of building a company myself on, on my front and I'm, I'm always curious to ask those uh, who have a lot more experience than me, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you founded Cambi, of course, you've built the company for many, many years now. I think we're at the, at the 14th year next year. Um, I assume that you could easily step away from the company whenever you want and kind of sail into the sunset uh, 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 and so on, Christian. But wh why do you keep pushing and investing, you know, time, effort, sweats, blood, tears into, into this company as the CEO? Uh, wh what is it that drives you forward? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, many things, I think. I mean, uh, I don't really feel I've taken it uh, where I want to take, wanted to take it from the beginning. Uh, you feel a lot of responsibility for everyone working here. Uh, so, so that is probably a big driver as well. Um, and uh, yeah, 
honestly, I think probably I think it's more fun now when I felt when everything was uh, very rosy and, and the share price was in uh, about 500. So, so I, I think I like the challenges more than, than when everything is, is uh, feeling uh, very good. Yep. Spoken as a true leader. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for taking your time here today. We uh, re re really, really appreciate it uh, here and uh, we hope to do this again sometime. Thank you so much. Thank you.